Hello, and welcome to the Guys Who Hate Their Jobs podcast. I'm your host, Marty, and this podcast is actually brought to you by Fitzgibbons Smart Homes, um, making your home simple, safe, and smart. Um, I got a, a, a very close friend of mine, cousin of mine as well, uh, David Fitzgibbons. He is actually the owner of Fitzgibbons Smart Homes. David, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Marty. How are you today? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. I uh, So I wanted to have you on really because um, you've got a really interesting story. And, and you started in the music industry. Um, you now own your own business. Tell me a little bit about it. Start from the beginning. Yeah, so... Um... You know, graduated college and always kind of wanted to do the music stuff and did that and kind of earned a, in a couple of years, earned a part-time job and and uh, worked in radio for a little bit. Uh, was supposed to kind of work for somebody that got fired two weeks after I got hired and then things went downhill from there mm-hmm. and I eventually kind of, my job got downsized as well. So anyway, it's... Uh, you know, a uh, fickle industry to get mm-hmm. into, a fun, fun as hell one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sure got a lot of perks, but um, it's uh, not really a living industry. It's more of a dying industry. And, yeah. and uh, it's got a lot of perks and it's a lot of fun, but mm-hmm. um, it's definitely not a uh, job you should, you know, yeah. get ready to have a family and kids yeah, survive yeah. off of. You it's know? like... When I think of music, it's always constantly adapting. The way you consume it, uh, whether it was CD players, tape recorders, now iPods. iPods were a thing. Nobody owns the iPod anymore. Sure. Um, but music is always going to stay around. It's part of our, our culture. Right. And the cool thing was that radio was like that too. You mm-hmm. know, everybody had radios in their cars, and it was it was the living dinosaur of mm-hmm. you know. Uh, of all those media platforms, kind of like the news business. Mm. But as you know, there's now these streaming platforms that you can use. And, and now these streaming platforms are letting, are doing their own radio and doing their own, like Apple has beats one Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and and different playlists are, are, you know, free to download and things like that. You're not really seeing as much, promotion get devoted into radio Mm -hmm. so i mean there's some stations that are still kind of managing the way the market goes Mm -hmm. uh, or the way the country goes in terms of like alternative radio there's a radio station that kind of commands where that you know kind of format is going Mm -hmm. Um, and uh but you know at the same time we're finding our own music. You exactly. Know? We're not depending on radio stations or other, you know, things like that kind of sh- throwing music in our face. So, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like a trivial question, but it's one yeah. I got, and I wonder if anyone else has it. How do, how do musicians make their money now? Because there's things like uh, Patreon where, you yeah. you know, they, they can guarantee a certain amount of money every month obviously streaming royalties etc so kind of answer that for me so a live band if you're talking like the actual musician now there's a lot of ways for a band and a musician to generate income yeah and you know 
label will say you need their services for that. Um, other people approve them otherwise, Chance the Rapper being one of them. Mm -hmm. um, but but um, a way a musician makes his money in this day and age is not the product that he's selling is his live show. So mm -hmm. if you want to go support a band, mm -hmm. go to their live show. Yeah, That's where they're getting a majority yeah. of the income generated. Mm -hmm. If you know, a record label is going to generate a majority of the other re revenue. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're like selling albums, like these record labels will make deals where there, there might be backloaded albums. So you sign a three late album deal, mm -hmm. you're not even going to make money until the third album. Oh, wow. So, so, um, you know, there's different ways to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but, um, you know, and that's kind of why the record label gets the big evil uh, villain role mm -hmm. um, and how it can fill that role pretty easily. But um, in terms of uh, actually generating revenue for the musician, it's going to see him live. And that's why you see bands, you know, that you know and love that you think are million and billionaires mm -hmm. here in Phoenix, Arizona, four yeah. times this you know, year every summer when it's 120 degrees exactly one thing that you just said that caught my attention and and prompted the question if a label makes you makes a, a musician or a band put out three albums before they get paid right does that promote shitty music for those first because if i were a musician i'd be saying all right i gotta rush through these next two albums so i can get to my third and actually pr make some money well you know, a label's not going to allow a shitty yeah. know, record to go out, right? Because yeah. they're going to want to generate revenue. Mm -hmm. That's why they might bring their own producer. Mm -hmm. Now, you and I might think it's shitty. Yes. I, I mean, you and I might think, hey, that band went downhill. Mm -hmm. They had a great album this year. They got signed. And then they release an album, you know, 18 months later. Mm -hmm. And it flopped. Mm -hmm. So... So I think that's kind of the pattern you see. Um, now, people want, I mean, these musicians, they're artists, you mm -hmm. know? So when you're talking about, hey, let's get a subpar product out there so then we can get paid on our real product, it's not the way they really think, yes. right? Because it's their artwork, right? And so when they get signed by the label, they're kind of in the height of their career mm -hmm. thinking that they're going to make the best album they've ever made and which is going to follow be followed by the next best album they've ever made which mm -hmm. is going to supersede the album after that so or it's going to be superseded by the album after that Got it. so so um, anyway it's you know the labels kind of have the upper hand mm -hmm. because they know the artist's passion you mm -hmm. know and they can draw Makes sense. Yeah. So one question I've had too as 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 a casual watcher of the industry is it's such a competitive field. How do obviously quality talent will get recognized, but how do musicians uh, market themselves and get recognized if how how do they separate themselves from the pack is what I'm saying. So I'll tell you, although I'm I'm not in the music industry anymore, mm -hmm. I I still love it, and and I still actually am producing one of my friends, Michael, who's in San Antonio, doing this exact thing, trying to get recognized. Mm -hmm. He now has original content. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so what he does is a social media is king. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be on social media. Um, you have to be constantly plugging your music. Be open mics. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another great way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you kind of have to be in front of the right person at the right time. Mm-hmm. And that's finding the right space in the internet, mm-hmm. you know, on Facebook or YouTube or, you know, something in some kind of internet space. Mm-hmm. Then, and, and where a record label can pick it up, that's one way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's really still kind of a luck thing. You gotta mm-hmm. have it. You gotta have good songs, and then you gotta be at the right place at the yeah, right time. Yeah, yeah. I, I still think that's kind of the kick. All right, so give me a percentage. Give me a pie chart. How much of it is quality music? If you were guessing, yeah. I mean, you know, it it's kind of subjective. But give me a pie chart of what percent is luck, what percent is quality yeah, music. And they kind of got a link to make a hundred, right? Mm-hmm. But um, uh, and you need a hundred for it to all go through. But I would say twenty, twenty, sixty. Okay, in favor of what? No, I I I would say forty. Forty percent, you gotta have it. Twenty mm-hmm. percent, you gotta have the right product. Forty mm-hmm. percent, you get recognized. So if you get recognized mm-hmm. and you've got it, you know you've got the skill and the musicianship and the talent, and you don't have a single song. Yeah, record label can change that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I I mean, if you go look at like Nashville, Nashville's a music writers town, mm-hmm. and this is like. The total proof of this. You could have a guy that is Mr. Talented who has no song that a country label will just gobble up because they've got thousands of music songwriters just at their disposal mm-hmm. that that do get some recognition in Nashville. I mean, Nashville has a great community of recognizing their songwriters, but then a lot of these, you know, songs and you know, kind of things you hear that you think is original content from the band that you love so much is actually, or it could be just a, you know, bought, you know, bought content mm-hmm. from, uh, purchased content from some, you know, seller, mm-hmm. uh, so, songwriting seller who just sold their music. Yes. Uh, I, I remember like Tim McGraw, there's a great story um, about you know, being down in Nashville, I actually got led around by a Lyft driver who was a songwriter and he knew all these bars and all that, yada, yada. But he, uh, there was this guy, there's a famous bar down there called Bobby's Idol Hour. And Bobby's Idol Hour is where all these, you can't play a cover song. Like, you know, have you been in Nashville? No, never. I've heard it's awesome. You gotta go to Nashville. Yeah. You gotta go to Nashville. But, but, uh, so Bobby's Idol Hour, so first, Nashville is, live music capital of the world right Mm -hmm. and so it's got you know every bar you go to has some kind of live band playing covers you'll hear and and not just country you hear mr brightside you'll hear Mm -hmm. sublime you'll hear blink 182 and then you'll hear you know uh you'll hear sweet caroline and then you'll hear you know sweet home alabama Mm -hmm. and um anyway um but bobby's is all original content Mm -hmm. all acoustic so you go in there to kind of test your skills. And, you know, he says that the um, this Lyft driver says he's seen guys from the Lumineers, seen guys from Kings of Leon in there, seen guys from Zach Brown Band in there. And, 
and uh, they go kind of test their stuff. And, or, you know, you're playing original songs that you, you wrote 30 years ago. And so there's this old guy, he's sitting there, he's, you know, this ratchety old guy, he's not playing good stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. he's got bad song after bad song. But then he, um, you know, he says, well, this is the last song I'm gonna go, I'm gonna play. And I wrote this about 10 years ago, uh, and it's uh, for somebody called Tim McGraw. And it goes <laughs> like this. And he starts playing Don't Take the Girl. Oh yeah! I mean, wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Song that made Tim so big yes. in that day and age. So, so anyway, it's just kind of interesting who you run into there. But the songwriters, back to my point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the songwriters, uh, you know, kind of have a great community in Nashville. Mm -hmm. But you might they're kind of they're behind the curtain. Yeah. You know, in the mainstream market. Got it. Yeah. So, kind of the the community. Um, of a, just understanding your point, there's a there's a major community in Nashville. Is kind of what you're saying. It's kind of like a Silicon Valley of uh, right. music. And, and and when you're talking about generating revenue for bands, mm. you know, there's different ways to do it. It's not for a band though. It's not in the song mm. because there's so many other things to cross. Mm. Licensing, is there a songwriter involved? Is there a producer involved? Is there a label involved? Is mm. there there's so many people that are taking cuts out of that pie mm. that you're never gonna see any of that. Mm. But what you are going to see is you putting in labor. Mm. And time and labor is label what you know or a concert is what time what a record label thing considers as time and labor. So got it, got it. Yeah. I got uh, one question that that I thought of while you were speaking is yeah. what is, is there a cycle? So you were talking about uh, new music, people hearing new yeah. music, original content at that bar, correct? Mm -hmm. So, and I know I'm not alone speaking yeah. this way. When I hear a new song. I usually don't like it right away, sure. but then I end up loving it after hearing it maybe the fourth or fifth time. Right. And so is there like a psychological reason for that? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's impressions. It's mm. why advertising works. It's, mm. you know, uh, um, that's absolutely the case. Mm. I mean, the more you're exposed to something, the more you react to something, the more you have a connection to it. And mm. that means positive, negative or otherwise. If you didn't like that song, you're going to like it even worse after the fourth time. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Got it. So, um, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, and and it's really, you know, up to, you know, these bands, aka, or if you want to, you know, relate it, businesses mm -hmm. to get in front of you mm -hmm. on a regular basis. Yes. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I've, I've always wondered that, you know, what, why, why something like why music acts in that way uh for me at least i've never very few songs have i ever heard and and immediately loved right. them it, it it's the repetition of hearing them before well, and music i mean a song on its own is repetition yes you repeat the verse the exact same you know chord progression of a verse eight times through and mm -hmm. then you repeat a chorus chord progression four times through and then you repeat you know mm -hmm. and so it's it's a repetitive on its own. So exactly. the more you hear the repetition, the more you're going to kind of react and hopefully react positively. Yeah. 
It makes sense. And it's very, it's very contrary to other forms of consuming mm-hmm. art, like some, something like stand-up comedy. Right. The element of surprise, the fact that it's the first time you've heard right. a comedian say their joke or their punchline uh, is the best. Music yeah. for me, and I know several others, the first time you hear it, like I was saying, right. it doesn't I'm, strike the same chord. Right. And I'm never going to read a book twice. Yes. You know, but and I'm never going to see the same stand-up show twice. Yes. I, you know, but music's just different. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's I, it's the combination of melody and repetition and all that kind of, and you know, beautiful tones and all that kind of stuff come, combined together makes kind of a thing you want to hear over and over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, where would you say radio is going? So, I, um, you know, I don't think life's good for radio because I think, you know, what you're doing here, Martin, is kind of helping kill it. Um, I, uh, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> thanks. Um, you're getting them back for me. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I really do, um, I don't have a lot of hope for radio. Um, I, uh, I wasn't too happy, uh, although the... The perks were great. Yes. The perks yeah, yeah. were great. <laughs> I am not unappreciative of the perks, but I don't. I wasn't happy there, and um, and I I you know I don't know if if you ever heard the story, but I went in five days before I lost five work days before I lost my job, seven days before I actually I got locked out, mm-hmm. and uh, I offered to quit mm. and said I'm not happy. I don't know what's going on. Uh, this isn't this isn't right. Mm-hmm. If you, so, if it's me, tell me, and I'll throw in my two weeks right now, and mm-hmm. we'll go on our way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was told no, uh, that I'm absolutely loved, and I was walked out. Yeah, yeah. Me. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So anyway, it was just you know, um, and I think. I think everybody's mindset in radio is so short term. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's people thinking about the next five years, mm-hmm. maybe the next 18 months, mm-hmm. but it's such a fast moving industry because it's treading water. Mm-hmm. Um, it Radio stations are combining and shrink and then that means jobs are shrinking. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've seen during my career in, in that radio world was, you know, three stations go into one building. And I think I was one of 50 people that I saw get fired mm. during my time there. So, I mean, it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's scrambling right now. Um, and it's evident because, uh, you know, I don't even, I barely even know people that are still at the station from my time there. Mm-hmm. you know everybody who I talk to now are formers so anyway it's just um, I, I don't I would never advise somebody to go into it uh, because if they're going into radio they're going into I, the mindset I would think mm-hmm. is that they're going into the music industry and there's so many other avenues and ways to do it which provides a little bit more consistency than radio does. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. All right. So 
kind of following the timeline after you lost your job in radio, yeah. what did you do? So, so yeah, I, um, you know, kind of, uh, took a step back and figured out what I wanted to do. And one of the things I realized I wanted is I didn't want to get fired again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I didn't want to get fired for what I thought was nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, anyway, I, um, I kind of wanted to be in control of my own destiny. And, and so that's kind of, uh, and then, uh, when I, you know, started kind of looking for the next option, I, I, uh, I noticed a giant void and, and, uh, people installing smart homes and, and, and doing it for in kind of the business model that I've kind of developed. And so, um, what I've done is developed a little company. It's a mom and pop shop, small mm-hmm. business, um, uh, doing smart homes. And what's different about my business model compared to like a Vivint uh, mm-hmm. or you know Cox has a home life mm-hmm. smart home package and stuff like that is I don't have any month to month cost mm-hmm. um, unless you want to pay for professional monitoring and your security services. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a, that's on you. That's not something I personally sell or would get a commission off of. So, um, so, uh, so I do one stop, one, one time cost. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of have this smart home tech that's permanent in your home. If you want to increase the value of your home or mm-hmm. the sellability of your home as you're trying to sell it mm-hmm. or you're, you know, just trying to, enjoy a new toy for the family in the house yeah yeah it really is unbelievable the the technology i've seen some of the things you've done like what's in our our grandma's house it's incredible yeah no i it's cool and you know the the cool thing is that all these different devices from different companies are starting to talk to each other Mm -hmm. which was never a thing that was done you Mm know my iPhone and an Android would always have some trouble one way or another. Mm-hmm. They were sharing files or iMessage mm-hmm. or or something, which which was great for you know Apple. Like I can't ask Apple to play something on Spotify right now. Yes, because they've got their own music service that's competing. Yes. However, the one transition here in smart home stuff is that there's so many smart home devices. And there's so many companies that are doing different things. Like there's a company that called August, like the month August home. And um, they do doorbell cameras and locks. Mm-hmm. They don't do thermostats. Mm-hmm. But Nest will come in and do a thermostat. But they might not do, you know, the Google Home integration. And then that's where Google Home comes in and connects. Yes. And Nest doesn't do lights. But... Samsung smart thing comes in and connects to Google Home and Google Home connects to Nest and so and and it's becoming this quote internet of things mm-hmm. and and that's you know when you hear things called IOT um, that's internet of things and that's this communication bet- between all these devices and a huge catalyst of this is a technology called Z-Wave mm-hmm. and uh, and Z-Wave is this uh, Weird thing, it, seriously, it's uh, owned by Silicon Labs. If you're looking for a stock, mm-hmm. it's a good stock. Oh, Slab, yeah. S-L-A-B. Okay. Uh, a good stock to invest in. is. Uh, but they've got this Z-Wave technology that 
allows all these devices to put this infrared or wireless tech, it wireless transmitter something into their device, and then it communicates easily. So mm -hmm. when I go into my front door and say, hey, Google, unlock my front door or lock my front door, it will um, automatically lock because I've got Google talking to my Samsung SmartThings hub, mm -hmm. which is a Z-Wave hub, which then transmits a Z-Wave signal to my lock, which automatically locks it. That's unbelievable. So how does uh, blockchain play in, in all this? So, so that's so that's kind of where it's going. And, mm. and, and so smart home, I mean, there's a lot of different tech. I mean, and, and so my thing is, is home automation, home entertainment. I can turn the TV channel on and off with my voice. I can mm. change the channels with my voice. I can do a lot of things. Where it's going, though, um, is kind of fascinating. Mm. Um, have you heard of blockchain or blockchain contracts? Uh, obviously, during the whole cryptocurrency yes. thing, you're, you're watching all these YouTube videos trying to simplify it. I still don't have a solid grip on it. Do you want to? Can you explain yes. it simply? I love to explain a very <laughs> rudimentary um, understanding of blockchain because that's all I have. Is and think when you think blockchain, think automatic contracts. Okay. Contracts that enact automatically okay. for example if you are a lease tenant mm -hmm. okay you've got a contract that you've got a, um, a rental agreement for a house okay and um, and so you pay month to month and so every every month this once you sign this contract once you enact this blockchain it's connected to your bank account it's connected to their bank account Mm -hmm. It's connected to the lock. It will be connected to the lock in the house. Mm -hmm. It'll be connected to all these different things. So, so um, you've got a lease agreement, and it'll start automatically pulling out money every month, right? Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, the contract will then start re-engaging. So, it, instead of a lease, let's let's do a mortgage, okay? Mm -hmm. Where where the collateral is the home. Mm -hmm. So you buy a home, the lease is in your name. You then take a mortgage, it's in your name, but the bank still has you know some right to ownership, right? Because mm -hmm. you haven't paid it back. And so the so then the blockchain will automatically start transferring the mortgage, monthly mortgage payments from your account to their account. Mm -hmm. And let's say you default mm -hmm. and you don't. You don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's you're getting paid because you agreed to pay. Yes. And um, and there's no oh I'll pay you next week because okay. it automatically takes it. So so then. Um, so I'm sorry I yeah. don't mean to interrupt, but yeah. what's the difference between that and just auto debit? You know something where you have it coming out of your account every month. Here's the difference. Auto debit when it doesn't when it you default when it doesn't. You might get an overdraft fee or it just bounces and they don't get the money and mm -hmm. then you get like a late fee or mm -hmm. something. What will happen in blockchain because you've agreed to it mm -hmm. um, is that in a mortgage, you, if it defaults on payment, then the lien will immediately get transferred to the mortgage broker. Mm -hmm. The locks to your house, if it's, if it's connected to some smart home tech, 
will automatically refuse you access to your home. Oh my God. Until you pay your lease. Wow. If you pay a lease on a car and you default on that payment, that car will lock its doors, Holy will not shit. turn on, <laughs> will, and will send a GPS beacon to get repossessed. Oh, wow. That, and that's, you know, going to eliminate, you know, that, hey, you haven't paid rent in three months, yes. you a-hole. Yeah. You're making me an a-hole now. Come chase down yeah. me trying to enforce this agreement that you agreed to. Yeah, so, yeah. And so blockchain eliminates all that. Mm -hmm. And so it's, okay, you can't pay your lease, great. Your car doesn't work and, and it's going to get repossessed because you agreed to something that you no longer can fulfill. That's going to make people incredibly accountable for every it's, everything now and that's and that's exactly what it is martin it is you know it, what it, what do they call it it's um it it's trustless trust mm -hmm. is what they call it and and so you can trust people that you've never met don't even trust with a don't even trust worth throwing them mm -hmm. but i'd make a blockchain contract with any of those guys yes because it's all automatic. Got it. Trust Got is it. trust. Wow. Yeah. And so how smart home is going to impact it is crazy because then you can change the locks. Yeah. You can manage the power. You can, mm -hmm. I mean, the the potential for blockchain is crazy. Mm -hmm. And then to, you know, ingrain it into smart home, there might be a multi-million dollar idea there. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I had a programming mind, I would be shifting my business model a little bit. Oh, yeah. To try to do property management mm -hmm. with blockchain. You probably, it sounds like you'd be one of the first to do it. Yeah, it, it would be, I mean, it's where it eminently would go, right? Mm -hmm. But blockchain, there are blockchain, it's not like you go get a blockchain contract at USAA. Mm-hmm. Or go buy a Ford pickup truck and have it with a blockchain. Company. Yes. Like it's yes. not, this is probably 20 years old, 25 years old. Got it. Got it. But maybe 15. Yeah. But in 2030, mm -hmm. we're going to be sitting around 2035. We're going to be sitting around with, you know, somebody got repossessed. You know, somebody got repossessed on their car because they were an idiot and they mm -hmm. forgot to, you know switch some funds around and they were 30 bucks short exactly exactly that's crazy to think about that yeah. and and i have full confidence that's where it's going because number one working in finance being able to eliminate risk in in payments is incredibly advantageous yeah and so proposing a scenario of what you just talked about bank or excuse me like Banks, everyone would love that. Mortgage right. brokers would love that. Um, and anyone involved in that whole process, right. yeah. Right. I mean, think about between you and me. I'm, I'm selling somebody something that I don't trust or I don't know, and they're not going to come try to haggle the price mm -hmm. that day. Mm -hmm. That's all gone. Yes. Because you got a blockchain contract that's they've already paid for it or they've seen it or yeah. Yada, yada, so. That's crazy. I mean, kind of different subject, but still on technology. Yeah. I saw this thing the other day where it, it, it took a smartphone and it showed all of the items that you would have need needed if you 
that is now in your smartphone. So it had an actual alarm. It had oh, yeah. a phone with the cord. It had, you know, a calculator. Exactly. Yeah. And and so it's it it really is moving forward right before our eyes. But it yeah. feels it feels slow as it happens because we were around with the the flip phones when it was strictly landlines, etc. And our parents were there, you know, when when they couldn't be on the you know and internet at the same right. time as their phone. And and what I'm really getting at is that it doesn't feel like it happened like it, it it's very incremental yeah. and so where would you say the first start in in regards to blockchain in the homes would it just strictly be the lock i mean would it all i, I don't know really what i'm saying is well, where would you see it originate so it's kind of a radical tech i don't know where it it will originate and gather steam mm-hmm. um do you know, and, and, and I'm not sure of the answer to this, do you know where Bitcoin got its steam? I mean, because it's this thing. So Bitcoin, when they invented Bitcoin, mm-hmm. they accidentally invented blockchain. Oh, got it. Because when they created a decentralized currency, mm-hmm. they had to create a, a way to transfer decentralized object content mm-hmm. i guess currency content um between two intermediaries that have no idea who they are mm-hmm. so they had to create this kind of trustless trust automatic way of doing it um and that's the ledger right that right. they're talking about yeah right the ledger mm-hmm. yeah and and so um i i don't know where it would uh where it would really, I mean, look for a home, like a home renter, uh, property management team. Mm-hmm. I think this is brilliant. Yes. Um, but, uh, but it's gotta be a big bang. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of all gotta happen at once because mm-hmm. if look, the mortgage companies, the banks are going to love it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, it's going to start automatically taking payments. Mm-hmm. And then if it, if you screw up, it, it'll, your car's on the You're line, screwed. your house yeah. is on the line. People aren't going to like that. So it might take federal regulation to learn the value of this. And, and now that we have this technology and have the ability to enforce agreements like this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to uphold agreements like this, um, it's probably worth looking into on a federal level. Yeah. Very interesting. I kind of feel like it would have uh, a serious emergence post a recession where yeah. where people foreclose on their houses and, and banks want to minimize more risk. You know, that's that's right. there. There were risk analysts got paid, I believe, um, you know, almost twice as much following the recession because banks valued them so much more. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. And, and those risk management assessors would, they might lose their job with blockchain coming up because there's no risk to assess. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yes. So, yeah. So that's a little bit of the, the future of the business. Yeah. How is, how would you say, you are doing since you are a small business owner what are some of the the 
struggles you face? What are some of the successes? You know, tell me a little yeah, about it. So, um, you know, I'll tell you in kind of in line with your podcast, I've got why I hate my job and why I don't. Okay. So, which I kind of think uh, rides, rides your question pretty well. Okay. Um, so, so some of the successes, why, why I don't hate my job, why I love my job is, is uh, you know, I'm my own boss, I'm, my own, I'm on my own schedule, and, you know, when I'm getting sales, you know, it's rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, you know, there's a good sense of accomplishment. Um, some of the successes that we've got going right now, we've got a little ad that, mm-hmm. we, that is out and about right now, kind of showing people what a smart home really is. That ad is fantastic, by well, the way. Thanks. No, I appreciate it. It was all... Uh, is there a link for it? I'll put a link yeah, in the in this. YouTube yeah, link. yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, and, and so um, it's all Fitzgibbons Family Productions. Yeah, um, Uncle Kevin was the one that. <laughs> but um, but anyway, and so um, anyway, and, and so that's going on, and I you know develop. I've got a variety of products that I sell. I mean, it was at first just a couple things, and now it's I'm a Nest Pro. Mm-hmm. You get an extended warranty if you, you know, install through me on certain products. And, and so uh, I'm, I'm filing for distributor applications and never thought I'd be doing that. Yeah. I feel like you got to wear so many hats when you start up your own business. You yes. got to be your own marketer. You got to be your own budgeter. You've got to be um, s- selling. You got to be able to sell, obviously. And, and, you, and then the other thing you kind of have to realize is that, you're you're a subpar marketer. You're a subpar this because you're spread so thin, right? Mm-hmm. That you're I'm a subpar salesman when I put on my my installer hat. Mm-hmm. So when I have five installs lined up in three days, mm-hmm. I don't make a single sale mm-hmm. because then I I'm not Mr. Salesman. Then. Yes. So so the efficiency of my company mm-hmm. is lacking because you know I'll go on a sales streak and then I'll go on an install streak Mm -hmm. and then I'll have a a sale or a install lull because I'm too busy making sales Mm -hmm. and I didn't have any leads because I was too busy making installs from before. So, and that's kind of where I'm at now Mm -hmm. is I got super busy and had like 10 to 12 installs in two weeks, which was great. And then got this ad out and, you know, started seeing, you know, kind of a drop off. And mm-hmm. that's just because I wasn't out and about talking to people mm-hmm. like I was. I mean, I've been out at different real estate firms talking to um, uh, talking to realtors about, you know, how this could impact their home buyers mm-hmm. and maybe orchestrating first home buyer, first time home buyer, like reward gifts and stuff that mm-hmm. the realty companies would, you know, kind of give their clients if they were a first time home buyer. Um, and, and the other thing I'm working on is, uh, is a little, uh, home space, um, Mm. uh, working on trying to get like a display area so people can actually see tangible, Mm. um, smart home products and smart home displays, Mm. not just, you know, kind of what I display on social media and display on fitsmarthomes.com. So what is, what are some of the most important lessons that you'd say you've learned as a small business owner? that you didn't know ahead of time? Um, keep driving. Mm-hmm. Um, really, uh, you know, stay enthused, keep 
keep driving um, and, and keep your work rate up. I mean, it's, it's uh, easy to kind of, you know, I know for me, it was always kind of different working at home, right? Because mm. you didn't really feel productive mm. and you didn't do those things. But if you kind of keep a positive mindset on that and kind of have the set schedule, like I work 6.30 or 7 a.m. and then I get off at 2.30 or 3 in the mm. afternoon. Mm-hmm. And that's my 9 to 5. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I... Um, you know, you kind of got to keep that rate up and mm-hmm. kind of keep uh, some consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, but then really, I mean, go at it. Get your marketing, get a plan together, kind of have a defined idea and some defined goals mm-hmm. um, and uh, know exactly where you're going and then go there. Did you always know you were going to be an entrepreneur? Hell no. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I, I love doing my own projects. I mean, that... I always consider myself a producer. Mm. I, I like producing things. I I worked at a recording studio and I loved producing the bands that I did there. And and uh, and then you know, at the radio station, I you know helped produce some podcasts and I got to mix bands mm. and and things like that. Um, no, I I I didn't think I would. You know, mm. I, and, and I think it's kind of. Um, one of the unfortunate realities in our in our world is in these last hundred years we've gone from the wild west which you know was forge your own destiny mm. was kind of the mentality um to the pinnacle of success is finding this good steady nine to five job that might pay a lot yes that's that's not forging your own destiny that's just yeah. going that's just uphill incline yeah. in terms yeah. of and uphill progression in terms of a career. So, yeah. so um, I think as, you know, kind of as a society, we've mm-hmm. kind of lost that forge your own destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once you kind of realize that and kind of take some pride in, in yeah. That, yeah. Um, that and realizing your American uh, yeah. dream, yeah, yeah. Um, then, uh, you know, I, I think it's special. Yeah. I was thinking something that made me feel that create your own destiny aspect that you were talking is my experience in Ireland because I was able to see I didn't really know a whole lot about Irish politics and how the Irish have been oppressed by the British uh, for 800 years it was and Irish people were about as close to slaves as slaves get to the British at some of the worst points they were indentured servants they couldn't vote couldn't own land and uh, we're, we're cousins so what I'm basically saying is our ancestors went through a lot of shit mm-hmm. and there were a lot of generations of Fitzgibbons that w- had absolutely no opportunity and and their kids had no opportunity and their kids because of the political climate. Right. Here we are in the United States of America with the opportunities we have that were unfathomable to them because they were essentially owned by someone else. They were a servant to someone else. Right. And so when you look at it from that perspective, it's almost insulting to all of the hardship that your ancestors had to go through for you not to go after what you want in life. Right. I mean, I mean, for them to kind of think about, you know, their legacy mm-hmm. 
I don't think they ever envisioned uh, two cousins hanging out with microphones <laughs> yeah. talking to each other like yeah. we are right now. And so, um, yeah, no, absolutely. And and uh, I, I don't think the greatest, you know, thing you can do to honor them is to fall in line and just try to find a good, safe career. You yeah. Know? Although that's great. If, if you're passionate about something mm. that you can make a steady income on, yeah. more power to you. I, God bless you. But... You know, for me, I've kind of been in the music world and product and like to produce stuff and like to work on projects and like different things like that. And unfortunately, I kind of got to go, you know, forge my own destiny. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, sounds like about it. Um, is there anything else you want to say or any, yeah. any, anything else? We didn't even talk about my cat fashion. Cat. We didn't even talk about my catfishing story. Can I? Yeah, go for it. That? Let's hear it. That's a reason, you know. Although I, I love my job now, and and I love doing something I like to do, mm -hmm. and, and being the guy that is telling me, you know, to do it. And um, uh, but I did, uh, but I do have reasons why I hate my job. <laughs> uh, being spread thin is, you know, one of them. But I once catfished this week. Okay. Um, Let's hear it. Instead of. Being your own boss, you really have to kind of understand that you're kind of everybody. Everybody's your boss because mm -hmm. everybody's a potential client. Mm -hmm. and, and so anyway, um, so yesterday I have a appointment um, and it's with a family friend that, you know, I was going to do some computer stuff for. Mm -hmm. not, not typically my forte, but it's simple enough. So yeah. I'm happy to help. Um, and... Um, they called me uh, about five minutes before the appointment, and, uh, and and they said, you know, David, we uh, actually have a meeting we didn't think of, but instead of wasting your time, we've got you booked with somebody down the street, um, and uh, they're expecting you at nine. It's eight fifty-seven, mm -hmm. um, but they're right down the street from our house. <laughs> and so, and they've got a tech issue for you. Okay. And and that can mean. Yeah, yeah, things, right. You know, um, and but I would like to pride myself on thinking that a lot of tech issues I can overcome. Mm -hmm. and, but anyway, uh, I go to uh, I, I go to this lady's house, a very nice lady, and uh, but she has a tape stuck in her VCR, mm -hmm. and uh, that was the tech issue that mm -hmm. she wanted me to. Uh, fix. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I completely got catfished by this appointment. I thought I was doing some legitimate stuff, <laughs> and uh, anyway, ended up getting asked to take a tape out of a VCR. <laughs> so yeah, there's Jesus there's uh, how there's old how old was this person? Uh, old enough to keep a VCR. <laughs> I mean, you. You're on the cusp. Yeah. I mean, you know what a VCR is. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Three years younger than you, I don't think they do. You don't think so? I don't think so. I, do you think Grace knows what a VCR is? Oh, man. She's got to. She's got to. I don't know. Aiden won't. Yeah, yeah, I would say Aiden No won't. way. Yeah, yeah. Aiden is 12, uh, right? Yeah. Or he's 14. Uh, no, he's 14. He's 14. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't. No, that's that's pretty uh, interesting. So anyone born in what would you say the cuff is like two thousand two doesn't know what a VCR is. Two thousand to yeah. nineteen ninety eight. Wow. Yeah. Because you're ninety four. Oh yeah, I was ninety five. Right, but um, 
but I would always watch. I remember being like eight years old watching like Mulan with my sister yeah, on VCR. Yeah. So that would have put me up, put me somewhere around you know 2003. Um, but they were starting to get rid of those DVDs by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, three years younger than you. Don't know what a VCR is. So. Wow, that's unbelievable. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Well, all right, Dave. I appreciate you coming on. Well, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. And um, for all the listeners out there, if you've got anything to say or want to send an email to me, um, got any critiques or questions, please send me an email at guyswhoatetheirjobs at gmail.com. It would very much be appreciated. And uh, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you.